0: Let's try to, I guess, sync this up. So I'll count one, two, three. And then i do we want to clap on the three or after the three? Let's
1: go st- one, two, three, clap.
0: Okay. One, two, three, clap. Yes. Okay. So I'll count one, two, three, clap.
2: Okay. <laughs> that was when you were supposed to do it.
1: Okay. But I was watching, Javi, I was watching how far your hands went out. <laughs> so then I got confused on when they would come together. And then I froze. <laughs>
0: all right okay okay we're gonna try this again one two uh.
2: was that was that it visually it looked on
1: okay
0: okay great perfect
1: if it looks right then it's right
0: on my end they're off about one second so I imagine the same is for you so I'll just kind of uh, hey this hey Javier this is a quick note for you just move the audio track um, about half a second that should compensate for any delay thank you so much Awesome. That was just a quick note for myself. <laughs> I like how You're, you
1: think yourself too. Yeah, That's really so sweet
0: to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You really have to be your own Javier. best friend. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey future Javier. Uh thanks for being here. We're really excited to talk about the movie. Thanks.
0: Hey Future Cat. Thank you so much for editing this. I really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> I love this so much. Let's just, that's the podcast is where we're just thanking our future selves.
0: Just words of affection for our future selves.
1: I love that. Honestly, I really thought you
2: were going to say, that's the podcast. We're done.
0: What? Are you for real? That's
1: it. Are you for real? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, well, thank you for reminding us to actually introduce the podcast because half the time we fucking forget. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> people are like, who the fuck are we talking to, or about, or hearing, fuck, I don't know.
2: All those things All people the things. say.
1: Okay, so thank you for joining us on another episode of Are You For Real? Today, we have Mr. Javier, the amazing, spectacular icon, legend star, <laughs> videographer of Weekend Digital He's amazing. He knows things. He loves Christopher Nolan so everybody can suck it.
0: Are you for real? Hi, I'm Javier. Are you
1: for real? <laughs> and today we're talking about Snowpiercer.
0: The movie. Oh, yes, cuz there's a show. That's there a, is that's a, show. a that's a good. Yes.
1: Is it the same thing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's um I think it takes place um 7 years before the movie. I'm not sure if it's like the same universe. Uh, or if it's one of those alternate universe, but it's definitely the same premise.
1: That's nutty. So, okay, just like spoilers. Um, Wasn't like the, what what was it? The seven, is it like their thing
0: or no? Yeah. So in the movie, they definitely talk about um, the, like they're a revolt, but I, I think they said four years ago. Oh, and so this one takes place seven years ago, and it, it kind of, after definitely going through the movie, makes sense why these revolts would happen. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. I think there were only two seasons. Uh, it stars Jennifer Conley and David Diggs of Hamilton fame.
1: <gasps> no way.
0: Oh my I God. swear.
2: Now she's going to make us watch it. Just because David Diggs is in it.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, I gotta Google it so that I remember. okay, while you
2: Google it, Javi, since you're the guest, you get to do the TLDR of the movie.
0: So the TLDR, essentially, we as a society have made a man-made ice age. Um, Most of the world, most of life in general has gone extinct. There is a train called the Snowpiercer, and that's basically where all remaining life is. Um, The train is sort of set up, and most economic sort of standings where um, the back of the train is the lower income and the front of the train is the higher income, higher class. Um, And our story really starts with our main character, Curtis, who is all the way in the back. And it's his story of kind of coming in Uh, And sort of taking over the engine. If they take over the engine, they take over the train. Um, And so it's him and a group of other people from uh, the very back of the train making their way forward. Um, And what this film really is about are, it's more or less, I feel like, people's obscured perspective on order and balance. Because I think we see a different people's perspective. And it's, for them, a really ride or die sort of stance. Yeah. Yeah and yeah how how was that was that good
1: that was was great great. i felt like you hit all the points (laughs) you got like the whole thing and it's kind of like a weird time to watch this movie too because you kind of watch it and you're like oof this is like too fucking accurate like (laughs) yeah they're on a train and they're eating like cockroaches but i feel this like the middle class the that's not actually a middle class. Like, yeah, it's like gnarly.
0: No, for sure. And it's it's funny because um, the director Bong Joon-ho, who also directed, as most people are familiar with uh, his most recent work, Parasite, right? So good.
1: Shut the fuck up.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, Cat did not realize that. Hold on. So really quick, Kat, Um Nam, who is the security expert, is the dad from Parasite.
2: <gasps> I didn't know that, but I could... See it. Oh my god. I could definitely see it now thinking about it.
1: Whoa. And fun fact for all the people listening, Connor went and watched Parasite without me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I said, Well, if you watched it without me, then I'm not gonna watch it. You just tell me the entire movie. So then I sat there for like 45 minutes while Connor told me the <laughs> entire story. And, and then, then Are
2: You For Real was born? No, yes. <laughs>
1: And then I went to work the next day and told Javi that Connor told me the whole story. And he was like, oh, my God, you have to actually watch it. And I was like, fuck, I probably do. So I did watch it. And it was great.
0: Such an awesome movie. Um, yeah. And such a brutal ending.
1: That's the best part. Um,
0: but no, yeah, it's it's kind of funny because he touches on a few of those themes, right? sort of depicting the lower class and the higher class and kind of the differences between them mm-hmm. um, to, told in totally different ways. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. This one's for lack of, of a better word, it's an action film and a fucking awesome one. Yeah. I love this movie so much. Uh, I hadn't seen it since it first came out, which was I think back in 2013. Oh wow. And Man, I'm so glad I rewatched it because uh, I liked it back then because I just thought it was going to be a generic action movie. Yeah. And re-watching it now and kind of just having a better understanding of movies. But not only that, uh, the director.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm seeing a lot of little things that I'm like, oh my god, that was so intentional. I didn't realize it. And I just have such a greater appreciation for this movie now.
2: Yeah, even... Like, just watching it through a different lens, like us doing the podcast about it. Because I've seen this movie probably two, three times a year since it came out. Mm-hmm. Love it. Wow. I, like, I, I absolutely love this movie. But just paying attention to more things. Like you said, just noticing the little things that were definitely intentional and... Especially watching Parasite, like you said, the classism that he really portrays in both movies and how like so much more on the nose it is in this movie. For sure. For sure. Kat, Cat, what did you think?
1: I love this movie. I like it more so for what it's like the commentary about the classes. And I mean, also, again, spoilers, how you have to like control. You think that the whole time that the guy at the front of the train, what is it, Willard?
0: Yes. Oh, or Wilford.
1: Or Wilford. And you think that he's, like, just this rich guy who's just, like, sitting on his ass having, like, mudslides. I don't know what rich people drink. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he actually has a really hard job where you have to create these instances where the people fight against each other and you have to do it to where it's believable enough and you know that people die that's like the whole point but you have to do it in a way that saves more people than die like what is like the best for the many is like not the best for the few or something like that
0: uh the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few exactly yeah that one
2: i mean if you think about it wilford is just like the ultimate social hacker just puppeteering these rebellions to take place and like slowly planting stuff within curtis and it's good
1: yeah well in the whole movie you're like yeah like fuck this guy and then Curtis is the best and then you meet Wilford and then it opens up a whole new perspective of like Curtis is one person and he's trying to make sure that the rest of the train survives granted like they they weigh the upper class more than they weigh the lower class but it still is like It makes you remember that you're more of like a whole versus like a a singular person.
0: For sure. For sure. You know, looking back at this movie, like I said, in in that genre scope, how this is an action film, right? Um, In the standard three-act structure, there's kind of an action scene for each one of those acts, right? And it's crazy to think for the third one, the action scene is all dialogue-based, and we're sort of seeing Curtis being swayed by uh Wilford. Well, I well, I guess starting from the very beginning of the movie. We start off in actually twenty fourteen, right? Like they have the um the new sort of clippings of uh the global warming, right? Yeah. Man, it's getting hot as hell, uh is essentially what they're saying summed up. Um and then with they're kind of saying, Oh, the scientists have something called uh CW seven. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is, and they're sort of talking about, oh, we're just going to pump that in the atmosphere, and then they show basically chemtrails mm-hmm. of uh, this uh, CW-7 Makes being sense. kind of thrown in the uh, atmosphere, kind of already setting up the world, like, oh, okay, cool, this is going to be the I Am Legend effect, where we think something good is going to end up being, you know, the end of humanity. 100%. Yeah.
2: One thing I wrote down, though, that I really liked about the movie, is that they give you that world building and that premise, but then the rest of the movie and the dialogue and the world building they do within the train. uh, That's Mm -hmm. actually the first thing I wrote down is you totally forget that that's why the world is frozen. Like you just accept, yep, the world's frozen. I'm way too interested in this inner world inside the train that they do such a great job. And the director did such a great job in, Just really sucking you in that you're just like, oh, yeah, chemtrails, world's frozen. Got it.
0: (laughs) No, uh, and uh, honestly, and he even has it uh, has that title straight up where it's like, hey, in case y'all weren't paying attention, here's what's happening. Okay, cool. We're on a train. Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: Like, let me just get you up to speed, which also is crazy, too, that you realize that the world or they don't really like go into specifics on who puts that stuff into the atmosphere, but like we do it to ourselves. So you exactly. kind of have to be like, oh fuck. Like this is also a commentary on global warming, like in a roundabout way. Like, right. Oh let's right, let's right, just right. do something really severe to fix it and <laughs> it just totally fucking backfires.
0: No yeah, they course correct way too hard. Yeah. I, I think the first real sign that we see the higher end classes sort of rule on the lower end is um we're sort of seeing the the guards and they're doing roll call um and we have this moment where um curtis is standing while he's supposed to be sitting and then you know we're seeing that moment where he's counting uh the seconds where he sees all doors open that are leading to the prison a moment after that they start asking all right does anyone here play the violin but and you know they're saying it in uh different languages because there's so many different uh people here from uh, uh, different cultures Um, and it's weird that in 17 years that they all haven't adapted to one language but i guess this also does a pretty good job of world building in the sense of even though these people are all still stuck together there are probably still people who are off in their own smaller communities in these sub-communities
2: right which i think a really good example of that is skipping ahead a little bit but when edgar's collecting the barrels and he's like messing around on them. He knocks over that guy's um, Buddhist idol, and that was so clearly, like, just that guy's thing. And nowhere else do they ever mention religion at all other than the overarching, like, Wilford, Oracle, Savior kind of religion that they're all indoctrinated in. But kind of to your point, like, he had that one siloed little thing.
0: Yeah, it, it, and that, that was something I totally missed. Um, I'm like, oh, cool, there's probably different cultures, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's actually sort of explained even further, you know. Um, and that's one of the things I love about this film is um, so I uh rewatched this film with Camille, and she had a couple of questions coming in.
1: Had she never seen it before?
0: No, it was her first time.
2: <gasps> oh man.
0: And I was so excited because all the questions she had, I didn't want to say anything because I'm like, oh, they, they answer that. Okay. They, yeah. All the questions they answer. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is such a good movie. Cause they answer it in a way where it's like not super, I'm holding your hand. There's the one section that is probably the most hand-holding section, which is the classroom scene. And but they have a really small little touchstone that I love that adds an extra layer of world building where they talk about the frozen seven. Yes. This is cool. Like this is adding an extra layer of like a a world building.
1: Right. Because that's also just their own experience. It's only people on the train know
2: about this. Exactly. Another really small point of that was early on when you first are really introduced to Timmy and they're trying to get the block from him because it's got the note in it. Edgar and Curtis are both asking like, "What do you want? Anything?" And he goes, "In the whole wide train, yeah. he doesn't say a whole wide world, the whole wide train. Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
0: that's nutty. Uh, oh man, this movie is so good. I'm realizing we're still on the first scene. Can we talk about the the, the scene where the guy is getting his arm frozen uh, Dude. as Mason is giving this speech about how know your place, essentially?
1: Iconic." Okay, wait, so yeah, yeah. yeah. so then the guy throws the shoe. And then that lady in the yellow coat that gets all the kids, she like, licks her blood, she like touches her forehead with the blood on and then like licks it, which is disgusting. And then I was like, Oh, my God, I forgot about the arm because it's like, I kind of remembered that there was like a weird consequence. But then that was like, so weird i wrote this line that said this is a size 10 chaos and I, <laughs> it's like iconic i love it uh,
0: no yeah and and that's the thing there's a lot of humor in this too mm-hmm. uh like she has a line later on where she's like says like uh you guys have been sucking on the glorious tit of wilford or something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> oh my <laughs>
2: Kat didn't realize who the actress was that was playing that till like, halfway through. Really? Yeah,
1: well, and I was like, okay, she looks like Tilda Swinton because she has, like, that gaunt, you know.
2: androgynous look.
1: Right, but then I'm like, is it her, though? Like, this person, especially with the glasses, it looks like a completely different person.
2: Yeah, she can really transform herself. Yeah,
1: she's underrated for sure.
2: So, jumping forward but sticking with her character... What was that thing when she's, like, trying to beg for his, her life at the end and she takes her, like, denture out?
0: <laughs> and yeah.
2: <then> goes, Curtis. <laughs> like, yeah. it just didn't seem to serve any purpose other than just being super odd.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering what the significance of that symbol sort of meant. I, I so I'm I'm realizing there has to be something there. It's just something that I fully don't understand. Like there's a moment get kind of jumping around again. Um also if this is anyone listening to this podcast and have never seen this movie, you please watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, you have to so watch good. this otherwise We're this gonna moment.
2: jump around so much. There's no way you're ever gonna know what's going on.
0: <laughs> um but th- there's this moment When they enter the cart and they basically see all the samurai ninja looking killers, right? And they bring out the fish and they cut it and they start spreading it around, spreading the blood. And uh, I remember asking or telling Camille, like, I don't know what this symbolizes or what this means, but this means something. This is significant in some sort of way. I'm just not sure what it is. Uh, That's one of those ones where it kind of went over my head.
2: Yeah, I mean, the most thing I could think of is like, it's in a lot of like warrior culture, especially like more Norse stuff where it was like giving your blade a taste of blood mm. so that your blade is hungry and will help you go. Like a lot of those cultures that really spiritualized weapons and war. So that's kind of what I got out of it. At first I thought it might be some kind of like poison coating. Cause then right after they do it, edgar and curtis look at each other and be like be careful
0: for sure so it's funny because camille ended up actually looking up the meaning for it It, it, connor great job because like what you said verbatim was uh what she ended up finding It like spot even the poison like (laughs) (laughs) you were right about the poison too but it's just once again one of those things that sort of builds the world a little bit right the way it serves the story is it sort of establishes the world that they're in Going back to the frozen arm scene, um, I think that's the first point where we sort of get this message of, um, sort of the theme where it's the obscured, um, sense of balance and order. We hear Mason's sort of speech about, You guys are a shoe, you belong on the foot, and then she grabs the shoe and puts it on the person's head. It's like you wouldn't put a shoe on a head, um, and she says, I am a hat, I belong in the head, you are a foot, know your place. And she's sort of saying that uh, the thing that keeps everything balanced is order. There's something that she says, which I think it happens four times where they say this uh, phrase. What is it? uh, A preordained position. And they're doing this hand movement where the hand sticks out. Yeah. And at first, like, I was like, well, that was weird. But I'm like, wait, the director is purposely cutting to that. Like, that has some significance to it. And it, it does. And kind of fast-forwarding ahead... um Uh, Wilfred is talking about that yes he sees he sees Timmy and he's like cleaning out like the gutter and he's like a machine Um, and then uh, Wilfred says to Curtis oh don't be so melodramatic everyone has their preordained position and then kind of doing the motion and then we cut that really quickly we're seeing Timmy's hand movement doing the exact same thing Um, kind of saying like oh it's symbolizing that everyone's part in this is Basically a cog in a machine. In order for things to run smoothly, everyone
2: needs to play their part. Super crazy jumping ahead to the end of the film.
1: <laughs> We're already at the end of the film. I know.
2: But also with the like preordained kind of thing, I also got just a, a few little subtle vibes of like kind of predestiny kind of thing. Because when... Curtis is talking about how like his story and you have Ollivander Mm -hmm. checking on his scar on his arm. Like later you find out from Curtis's story, that was his scar where he tried to cut his own arm off to sacrifice it, but he couldn't. That's the same arm that he reaches in and stops the gears to then pull Timmy out and then ends up losing that arm. And so if he would have cut his arm off before, He would have nothing to stop the gears and then pull Timmy out, so he wouldn't be able to save Timmy.
0: Yeah. God, this movie's good.
1: (laughs) Well, and to, like, not counter, but, like, to add on to that, so who's the the Asian guy, the door guy? Nam. Nam. Oh, -hmm. Nam. So the entire time, all they do is talk shit about him because he's a druggie and oh, you'll open these doors for drugs and, like, look at your daughter. She's a druggie, too. Like, you're such a piece of shit. And then at the end of the fucking movie, he's like, fuck you guys. I have all of these fucking bars and I build a bomb. So that's kind of the same thing. as like he wouldn't have known what to do with these bars or, like, to save them unless he had that experience.
0: I I feel like there were three different types of... Uh, people's perspective on balance and order, right? Uh, Curtis, just really quickly, his whole uh, idea is in order for everything to be balanced, we can't have this type of segregation in terms of all the people who are poorer in the back and all the people who are richer in the front. While Wilfred is, no, this needs to be a machine. We need to keep this as is. And the only reason we're revolting is for basically an elaborate population control scheme.
1: Yeah, like it wasn't even your... Idea we fed it to you,
0: exactly. Yeah, and and then Nam's perspective on all of this is fuck all that. This is a prison. We need to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so kind of seeing, and then it's literally that last thirty minutes, w- which, like I said, like it's more or less a verbal fight scene. We're seeing all these three different sort of uh views kind of colliding with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: because even like the whole movie, they feed different scenes of nam and like him interacting with his daughter like oh look at the plane oh you need to look at this like this is part of our history and like yeah you get little glimpses into like oh he wants to escape like he wants out
0: yeah i'm also kind of thinking back uh when he kind of talks about the frozen seven and he says like oh the woman up in front she uh uh, I think he said, like, she was a maid, uh, but then he says, like, oh, you know, she was a, uh, what's the word, an Eskimo, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And then says, like, oh, she thought that we uh, we could live outside and kind of saying, oh, she taught me a lot. Kind of almost implanting the idea in her that there is a way to survive outside, especially with the plane sort of melting, uh, there is hope. Mm-hmm. Right,
1: exactly. Like, he knows how to do it. You just have to wait until there's less snow.
0: So kind of just going over the whole movie. Do you guys have any scenes that just stand out to you?
2: I have one that it's who knows if it was intentional or not. I mean, it served the story. But then if you think about it, like in that sense of the world, it wouldn't make sense for that character to do that. So when Curtis is starting to feel like he believes they don't have any bullets. At the, towards the beginning so then they're doing all this stuff and the guard is pointing the gun at him the guard pulls the trigger the guard knows he has no bullets and he should also know pulling that trigger the gun's gonna click which everyone fucking knows <laughs> means he has no bullets so he just sealed everyone's fucking fate by pulling that trigger if he could have just like if that guard could have restrained himself and like just bashed him over the face with the butt of the gun or something like we could have had a totally different revolt so that piece is almost super pivotal but always kind of stuck out to me as like not a movie making mistake but just a mistake of that character isn't curtis the one who pulls the trigger
1: that would make more sense that would. Because it's his theory. He needs this to be correct. So why would he hope that the guard sits there and pulls a trigger that he knows there's nothing in the barrel for? He would have to make sure that that happened.
0: Um, but then following that, that really epic, like, they don't have any bullets. Like, the guns are empty. And then everyone just starts attacking. Really great scene. Uh, and something else that I really love about this movie are... All the characters, they all feel totally fleshed out. Oh, like Gray, who kind of seems as if he's the one who's protecting uh Gilliam. Um I love his entrance. You can like tell like the second he starts walking, oh this guy's a fighter, you know. He comes in with a lot of confidence and just starts doing some parkour kills and just starts killing people,
2: you know? So Javi, I don't know if you notice. I felt like I picked up this time watching it on some a relationship i never picked up on Mm. um so the big kind of brutish guy who takes the hammer to the arm has like that beard and mustache so from the very beginning when um tilda swinton's character is doing her first speech he's actually like leaning on the shoulder of that balding guy from the sauna scene and then there's just, like, a few little tiny moments here and there. And then after that guy gets killed by Nam's daughter, the that's when the, like, balding guy from the sauna goes on, like, a fucking rampage. This time watching the movie, I'd never picked it up before, was very likely the relationship of those two characters, like, being a couple.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny that you said that, because I drew that conclusion uh, driving home from work today. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I definitely think you, you bring up a good point there. I, I for sure, I'm going to watch it again, and I'm, I'm going to be looking for
2: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would really love to know. <laughs> like, what's your guys' situation? Okay, so there's a couple things. Um, okay, so it's mostly just like, little tiny details that are hilarious which they shouldn't be because this is an action movie so when they're in the middle of that fight scene with the axes and then all of a sudden they're passing that certain point which means like it's the new year and then they all like count down and say happy new year or something i don't forget i forget what they say but then there's this one guy who's super fucking bloody he's on the ground and then he's just like, yeah, like you can tell that he's like fading away. But he's like, yeah, also Happy New Year.
0: <laughs> and that kind of goes on to like say how order is such a, a prevalent thing for them. Right. It's like even we're in the heat of battle. Hey, we still have to celebrate New Year's. Right. Yeah. It's
1: like the routine. Like you have to do this at this time regardless. Um, and then I forget. I don't know who the guy is is he's like the other asian guy who curtis or maybe it's curtis's friend when they're in the teacher scene and then he like maybe he's like the conductor like the voice guy oh you know what i'm talking about
2: yeah the guy who's got the loudspeaker the whole time
1: right and like the hat um so curtis's friend has him and then he get then he's looking at mason and he's like he'll kill me if you don't surrender and then she kind of just like does the oh well shoulders And I just, like, love that part so much because, one, her facial expression is just, like, magic. It's just, you automatically know she doesn't give a shit. But then, like, later on when she's begging for her life, like, the whole time when Curtis is, like, making advances towards her, like, he's gonna kill her or, like... Hey, like you need to get us to the other side of the the train or whatever. Like the whole time, she's just defensive and manipulative. But then, like she turns around and like doesn't give a shit about anybody else. Like her character is just so well written that it's so believable.
0: For sure, yeah. And her whole reasoning for wanting to help them was so simple and straightforward. I'm like, I believe that. You know, they they ask, um, why would you help us? And she says. Because I don't want to die.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Like, she's just, like, the person who wants to be in control. She doesn't care how she stays there. She just wants to, like, live. She has, like, no actual values.
0: Um. Have you guys seen that really great YouTube video? I think it's from every frame of painting. Um. And they talk about this movie. And they sort of show how do you make a difficult decision in a movie? And they kind of show how this movie does it super well. Um, And every time Curtis is given a really difficult choice, it's always him at a profile. And his choice is either left or right. And so we have that moment where he has to choose between Edgar and Mason, right? If he goes left, he's going back. He is going further down into the caboose where he was. If he goes right... Uh, then he is going forward. And the reason I think this movie is so good is because they, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why, but you expect him to go back to save Edgar. You're expecting a lot of these other things, but when it's time to make a difficult decision, he always goes right, proceeding forward, which is why they end up going all the way uh, to the front. And then at the very end, when he's sort of left with that decision, right? He's looking back, and Nam is sort of fighting everyone off, and then to his right, he sort of sees uh, uh, the engine, right? And uh, 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 Yona kind of comes at him, and it's like, like, oh, give me the matches, and he kind of sticks his hand up like, no, like I'm making my decision here, right? Um, and then of course she totally changes his mind by showing him timmy underneath yeah man this movie totally did a lot of things i wasn't expecting um the dialogue with edgar it's totally established for me at least this character is going to be around for a while Mm -hmm. and he's not he dies in the first act yeah and in a way i wouldn't have expected man yeah I, i think this movie does a good job of kind of keeping you on your toes and sort of doing all these twists um even that dialogue scene where um uh, Curtis kind of talks about his uh, his sort of losses, you know, and how he wasn't the person that everyone thinks he is. Um, things like that where it's like, like when we were watching it, uh, me and Camille, she was like audibly like, fuck, like every <laughs> like 20 seconds because he reveals something new yeah. about himself.
1: Well, yeah, and it just keeps getting like worse and worse and worse. And you're like, fuck, it can't get any fucking worse.
2: Another thing is once in the end you learn about the partnership between the back and the front with gilliam like thinking back gilliam really does in a subtle way kind of try and say like yeah i think we're done like especially after they take the water car um and gilliam is like i had everyone bathed so we can assess the damage like trying to put that guilt on and then like is talking to Curtis like we control the water like this is all we need you know and then seeing them mention that later like yeah it was always our plan to end after the bridge hmm. so like there, there's a few separate instances where you do see Gilliam kind of try and push that hesitation and get Curtis to like you said go left instead of right and say okay we have taken enough we control the water we're good here
1: So there's like a lot of logistics in this movie that I'm a little bit confused about because they talk about how they have to control the population. And I get how they stuff all the poor people in the back of the train. But then like how many poor people cars are there and how many rich people cars there are. And based on how many people you actually really see, like you only see... The kids in the teacher scene, which, okay, cool, there's only, like, eight kids. And then you see adults in the clubbing scene. And you're like, okay, so, like, where the rest is everybody?
0: Yeah. Also, really quick, could you imagine as a kid having to go through the clubbing scene in order to go to school?
1: Yeah, what is that? Like, are there rooms ahead of those or behind those? or like where yeah so i have a lot of confusion about where everybody is at
0: <laughs> yeah yeah they, they definitely just fast forward and skip a lot of rooms i'm wondering if it's just a budget reason i mean the movie itself is already like two hours and six minutes um it does a great job with pacing because it does not feel that long at all um but it, it could have also just been a, just a time thing um i'm not too sure but i i think we just have to assume that they're just these bunker carts you know where everyone is just it's just their beds
1: because if they're passing through that cart based on the propaganda that they're fed as kids i mean the adults would have a different under excuse me a different understanding because they were alive when they all got on the car or on the train so they have a different understanding of the poor train versus how the kids understand it but wouldn't they sit there and if they saw the people from the back come up to the front they would want to stop them and that would be like a whole separate fight so they keep their place at at the front
2: i think a lot of it goes down to like sense of entitlement they don't think that they would ever lose their place at the front and the bottom line they're just like rich citizens
1: and they do have guards so and i they, guess have guards, they just so
2: they're the guards. probably just the entitlement with the complacency
1: i do like in the fish scene when they're all talking about like how they only get the fish every six months or something like that and then mason is like oh i'm so excited and then curtis is like fuck you you're eating a protein bar and she knows what's in it and she's like fuck i just love that type of pettiness
0: <laughs> yeah and and it's uh, that scene actually um is i think the first real sign of what their whole like grand scheme is right because she straight up says like uh oh yeah we only get sushi twice a year um and then tanya uh says um why not enough fish and then she says something along the lines of like it has nothing to do with the amount of fish it all has to do with balance
2: yes mm-hmm. it's a closed ecosystem
0: exactly
2: fuck but if they only have sushi twice a year why do they have a whole sushi station set up
0: what that's a super solid point oh my god and
2: like what else is that dude's job if he's obviously a highly trained sushi chef what does he do the rest of the year oh my god
0: yeah yeah like you're completely blowing my mind on that i'm like i didn't even think of that it's
2: probably because i've seen it like 19 times yeah
0: <laughs> question how do you guys feel about the ending
2: i don't love it because yes you're ending this like totalitarian rule of wilford but now what was her name yana
1: mm-hmm.
2: she has no fucking survival skills And most of the train got destroyed, and the parts that didn't is going to be filled with passengers that are injured and pissed. So, it's like, I think I get what they were trying to do with, like, you know, we ended that, and people can survive, and humanity can live on.
1: Yeah, look, there's a polar bear.
2: But then, well, but then, okay... Assuming that mob of people isn't gonna come kill them for just ruining their perfect existence, and everyone but them died. What's she gonna do? Fuck Timmy, repopulate the earth? Like, uh, uh, yeah, the s- a seventeen-year-old and five-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> just the. I wish we got more of the logistics of the rest of the plan.
1: Yeah, cause you're gonna have like a train baby then go into the wild and, like, live, even though she's literally never known anything
2: else but this train. Yeah, she'll roll up to a vending machine and not know what the fuck is going on not realize there's food behind there. Right. She's never seen one
0: before. For the most part, I like the hopefulness that it sort of creates. That polar bear is a symbol of that. Man, straight up, polar bears are not friendly. Those
2: kids are gonna die. Yeah, well, right. and... Yeah, a polar bear is perfectly equipped to live right now. You with right. a fur coat? Probably not.
1: Yeah, like, you don't have the right survival skills. <laughs> you don't have the right clothing. And, I mean, what you can also assume that they're like, hey, everybody who doesn't want to be lower class or, like, live in the back and, like, have a shitty life, you can now exit the train. But, like, then the train keeps going with the rich people but then who is piloting the train there's like way too many things that it brings up it's kind of just like it's wrapped up way too
2: quickly yeah what are they gonna eat
1: okay so in his like whole speech wilfred is like oh yeah like everybody has a place you're all a cog in a machine whatever but they only use tail section kids because he says something about their never being like not there's no yeah
0: alone. there's no shortage shortage thank you I think. yeah
1: so then it's kind of like what is that saying because then his whole thing is balance and everybody has a role to play but why is it only tail section
2: kids because that's the contri- the only contributing factor they give they don't do anything else it's not like the tail section has jobs where they're providing for the train. They're just being supplied protein blocks and living back there.
1: Yeah, but what but are the other people doing? Besides the teacher, what is anybody else doing? The teacher and the affluent?
2: guards. Fluent. affluent? I don't know. <laughs> there was clearly a great ecstasy trade on that train.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Or like maybe they helped fund the train and then that's why they get this seat at the front.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they establish with um mason's character that everyone else bought their uh ticket and they smuggled their way in you know so i mean it it could be as simple as that but yeah
1: i feel like the ending could have made more sense if there were more generations in between like when you kind of look at everything it's kind of like this is not that far removed from everything happening like it's only barely even one generation so I feel like it would make more sense especially with the population control like why would you need to population control at least four times in 17 years like if there's only so many people already on the train they're eating people they're so malnourished none of those pregnancies are gonna work out like let's be honest
2: Well, but they said in Curtis's story, I think the timing he put was within, it was like 90 days. They got the protein blocks. So for 16 and a half years, people been fucking. So? That's a lot of kids, man.
1: I mean, but like, look at how many people are on there. Anyways, there's a bunch of old people. You know, none of them are making any kids.
2: Yeah, but they also don't have condoms. Birth control. Of any kind.
1: Yeah, but there's only so many people that can produce. Yeah. 17 years, even one person, they can only get pregnant once a year.
2: That's 17 kids.
1: That would never happen. Because also, where are their doctors?
2: There's probably a a bunch of those kids are dying.
1: A bunch of those kids are dying. Maybe. It just doesn't make sense that they're having so many issues with population when. It's only been not even 20 years.
0: For sure. That's for like sure. not
1: enough time to have four or five different revolts regarding population.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I think you bring up a super solid point. And I, I think the reason they have that, and I think the solution to this would have would for Curtis, uh, Curtis's character to be a lot older. Yeah. Um, and... I think the reason they sort of state that, you know, it, it definitely makes sense um, when Wilfred is sort of talking about this idea of, uh oh, well, we've done this a few times, right? Kind of harping back to uh, uh, the order and balance and how this is something that they need to do. But I think the reason it's only 17 years is because we have that touchstone with Curtis of he knows what it's what it's like to live outside the train not only that he was a teenager and kind of having that touchstone of he knows he had to turn into something else in order to survive versus him being born there and already like that is his life you know he he sort of realized he had to turn into something you have to be connected to Um, both
2: yeah exactly if it's only 17 years you're telling me edgar's character is 16 17 well it would have been 17 and change maybe eight maybe 18 like all those tv shows casting like 35 year old actors as high schoolers
1: that's the best part you don't (laughs) feel guilty about watching them have (laughs) sex
2: that's why
1: okay but speaking of weird sexual things Mm. in i think sometime in the middle Maybe it's the beginning. Okay, so the chick who wears the yellow and takes the kids. Claude. Thank you. She's a weird one, like from just in general. But I don't, I think it's Mason at some point says, like, oh, Wilfred likes the kids or needs the kids. And it kind of, because, okay, I don't know what you guys thought when you first watched it and you saw them take away the kids. And you're like, oh, like, I'm thinking that she's a mom who is now picking out a kid to be hers. Like, the rich people just pick off the poor kids so they don't have, like, surrogates almost. Like
0: That's exactly what I thought, yeah. Right, so
1: you're like, okay, so you're picking out, like, almost like the island. Like Never crossed my mind. Really? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so I thought that she was like, "Mm, this is going to be my baby now. And she takes the kid.
0: C- Camille thought that too.
1: Okay. Thank you, Camille. Um, So then I, in my head, I'm thinking it's Mason said something about Wilfred needing the kids or liking the kids. And so then you get this weird, like, why does he need the kids? And then I don't know. My mind went really, really negative. Like he has like a pedophile.
2: Got to go to the tail section. Recruit me some altar boys.
1: Yes. That's exactly what he
2: thought. I definitely didn't get that vibe. <laughs> okay, thanks, <guys. laughs> See, I always just thought it as, like, a throwaway line, her trying to, like, blindly comfort the parents. Like, oh, Wilfred loves kids. Yeah. That's what I always thought Tilda Swinton's mm-hmm. line as. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that that's what I thought, too.
1: I took it, like, way too far, apparently. <laughs> okay, so then also at the end... Where he's like taking Timmy out of the little hole, but then, Andy, Andy's the care. Andy's the dad. Andy's the kid.
2: Andrew's a dad. Andy's a kid.
1: That's stupid. Um,
2: <laughs> I didn't write it, honey.
1: So then he goes out of one area that he's like the person of, and then goes into the other area. So like now, what is he doing?
2: I think just another version of what Timmy's doing
0: yeah yeah He he's another cog for sure
1: i just really don't understand what they're doing
0: so
2: and they're like
1: greasing the cogs or something so
2: i think with andy he was like off shift he was sleeping in that little cupboard oh and then like he heard the engine start whirling and he's like oh that's the whistle for me to start my shift
0: gotta clock in oh, yeah
1: that would make sense yeah, because what did he say? Something like, oh, we haven't been running on manual in, like, years or something like that. So, like, by, like, the fourth year, they were having to use kids to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, so, they, it, actually, I, I think it was something a little more recently. I think. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I think um, it
2: was within, I think, like, six months or so, he said. Yeah. Hmm. And he said, we have been running manual because the kids are manually doing it, mm. not automatically doing it.
1: But like, why?
2: Because he said the part broke down. Because like metal on metal stuff eventually wears.
0: Yeah, they, they deliberately use the word extinct. They use that a lot here, that
2: word.
1: I missed that.
2: Because I think I think they use the word extinct because it's like, we're not just out of it. Like it's it gone exist. and it's never coming back because we have no function to like manufacture new parts or anything. There's a huge oversight by someone yeah. who wants a train that can go around the world forever. Like not having a manufacturing car.
1: Right. Who's building all your replacement parts forever.
0: Come on, Wilfred.
2: He's got a guy who knows metal on metal breaks down. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're telling me that Henry Ford in 1912 figured it out, but you couldn't?
2: Big oof, Wilfred. That's why Come I'm on, not Wilfred. driving around in our Wilfred wagons. Woof.
0: I I ain't buying that, Wilfred. Come on. <laughs> no.
1: This ain't no Tesla shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially everything that I have here. Uh, I was taking notes, and then I just kind of stopped just to actually just watch and observe. Yeah, you get kind of um, sucked in yeah
1: i get so sucked in that i forget most of the movie i have like this general feeling of like this was a great movie and i could pull out different parts so i have to like write down what happened so i like stay on track of like the timing of the movie <laughs> otherwise i don't know when things happen
2: but yeah bottom line is more people need to watch more this
1: people movie. need to watch this movie
2: are you for real? Are you for real? There we go.
0: I love that. There we go. That's that's how we end it. <laughs> yeah. That was it.
1: Um, okay, wait. Did you say the the like scene of the movie that stood out to you?
0: Oh no, it was the same one that uh, Connor brought. Yeah. Up.
1: Got it. Got it. Got
2: it. Oh, uh, I I looked it up in the meantime. You were right, Javi. It is Curtis that pulls the trigger. There. There we go. It makes sense now. <laughs> so plot hole. oh thank god (laughs) so another thing super random thought so gray obviously at least from what it seemed would probably have to be older and been trained before the train because he's obviously the only person who knows that martial arts so if he was training during the train obviously they would have trained someone else probably or there'd be a master or they'd keep it going in some way So then what was he doing before that he got surrender or die tattooed on his arm? Like, I think a lot of his tattoos were just to kind of add to the mystique of him. Yeah. And that character. But they really pointed those out. So if it is true that he was doing something crazy outside of the train before this happened, what was it?
0: (laughs) What was his life before the train? Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: That you need, you need those options tattooed because you just got so tired of monologuing that you're just like, nah, just this one or that one.
0: That's a super solid point. Oh my god, that's
2: that's <laughs> the second really big plot hole.
0: <laughs> um, to summarize again, everyone, please watch this movie. Wait, hold on. Oh my god, if if you're watching this or if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this movie, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah,
2: it's been a train.
0: Wreck.
1: Honestly, if you're listening to this and you've never seen the movie, what the f- Fuck are you doing?
2: I mean, we say it at the beginning. You're just an of, agent of chaos. <laughs> we say at the beginning of every episode, we're gonna spoil the fuck out of this movie. That's the so point. like, if you haven't watched it, you're gonna hate it.
0: You know what? Oh, how about this? Okay, for people who are listening and who have already watched it, show this movie to someone who hasn't seen it. Yes. Yes. There we go.
1: And then the movie will take over the world.
2: Are you? For real. Are you for real? No more Corona, (laughs) only Snowpiercer.
1: The way that the fucking planet is on fire.
2: Let's cool down.
1: Okay, also, this movie, the actual train part, took place in 2031. That's 10 years from now.
0: Yes. We're 10 years away from this movie. Yep. We're also, I think, eight years or nine years away from iRobot.
1: That seems pretty accurate. Cars are driving themselves, and those cars in that movie do look like Teslas.
0: They look really sick.
1: They're very round. We're
0: nowhere near the automated robots, the humanoid robots, but
2: we'll get there. We have eight years. Yeah, it's fine. What is it? uh, Boston Dynamics is the one that does all those jumping robots and stuff?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And they kick them over, and
1: it's just sad. Yeah,
0: Yeah. those poor robots. They knock things
2: out of their hands.
1: That's why they're going to revolt. Like that's
2: <laughs> yeah. Finally, it just all of a sudden gains conscious I've been kicked over too many fucking times. Yeah. Every time I have a glass of water, you knock it away. It's so sad. So yeah, futuristic
1: movies, dystopian movies—they're great. We oh, love
2: I love dystopian movies.
0: Um, for anyone who's made it this far, I appreciate your dedication. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to, to future hobby, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for editing. We appreciate you.
0: Thank you, Future Cat, for editing this. I look forward to hearing this episode. (laughs) That makes
1: me so happy. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let me just end it really quick, and then we can whatever. Thank you so much for listening to Are You For Real. This has been another episode. Um, Javi has been here. We're super happy that he's here. Thank you, Javi, the one and only creative videographer. (laughs) amazing storyteller icon legend star
0: thank you so much thank you for inviting me i appreciate that
1: honestly thank you for bearing with us because we were supposed to have you on in like october so i was patient here we are thanks corona (laughs) do you have anything to say
2: i was also here
1: oh also connor was here thanks connor